0: Good morning. Good morning. We now have a quorum, so we can begin. Thank you very much for being here. A bit of an explanation about the the service for today. Uh, I know that we typically in this um, in our December chapel do um, Christmas. Advent. Uh, But we're not going to today, and I'll I'll explain why. Um, I think every time that we meet, I have you say whatever the theme is, the current theme is for the the chapel service. So, in fact, Vic, can you pull that up? Uh, We just started winter term on campus yesterday, you know, Um, and uh, we're in week four online. The theme for the year is based on Isaiah 6, Hear My Lord. But I think there's more going on in that passage than just send me, so in the fall, our theme was, "Here am I, Lord, purify me." And we start every chapel service uh, with that, um, that refrain, and then we use it also as our prayer to begin. Uh, the theme for the winter is, uh, "Here am I, Lord, restore me." because in addition to the purification process, there's actually a restoration that takes place in Uh, in Isaiah and and the lives of others and so um, so that's where we're going to head today. Uh, And I wanted us to do it because I want us as a community to be in touch with what's going on in our campus courses in our campus chapel services. I also want us to be in touch with what's going on in the lives of our online students. We have between four and five hundred hits a month on the chapel page alone. So the chapel ministry is ongoing. It doesn't just happen here. It happens, in fact, there's a, there's a guy, I, I think it's okay because I've shared his, his story with some other people. Desmond Barrett is a student of ours that lives in Florida. He uses the chapel services every Friday as a, as a part of his devotional practices and lets me know when they're not working uh, <clears throat> because they're just that crucial to him. And I uh, heard from Dom Dominic Mucci this week because he downloads... He downloads the, uh, the chapel services uh, through iTunes, and he, and he listens to the podcast and watches the podcast. So rather than Christmas, um, I wanted us to try to maybe gather together a little more so we all have a sense of the theme that's going on. So our theme for the winter term is, Here Am I, Lord, Restore Me. So I need you to say that with me. Here Am I, Lord, Restore Me. Say it again. Hear my Lord, restore me. We're going to say it one more time, and I want it to be our prayer. Let's say it again. Hear my Lord, restore me. Make it so. Amen. We're going to begin our worship with a responsive reading from Psalm 29, so take the Bible that's close to you. Turn to Psalm 29, and when you have it, please stand. We're going to read it responsibly. We'll alternate verses. I'll read the first, you read the second, and, all, and on the way through. And then when we get to verse 11, I want us to read that verse together. Okay. Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, almighty ones, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. Sorry, I was listening to you. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The, Lord shakes the, desert the, the voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare, and in his temple all cry, Glory. And then together, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. One more time. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Uh, Ron, will you keep playing? I need you to grab your Bibles one more time. And turn to Romans. Romans chapter 8. This is the New Testament reading for our text. Romans chapter 8. And I want us to start with verse 12. And I want us to read it responsively like we did before. So I'll read the first verse, you read the next, and then we'll join together on 17. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. But it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, and then together. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I worship you. Of That is the prayer of our heart this morning. Make it so. Amen. You may be seated. We have um We've all been there at one time or another. We've, we've all been in the moment. We've all been in that instance when where we are and what we're doing is just right. It's just perfect. It, it can't get any better than that. And when we're in the moment, we are just sure that who we are is who we were meant to be. Maybe, maybe the moment was our first kiss. I get to ask you who, but that might embarrass some people, so I won't. Could be when we said, I do. The moment could be when we're in a long-distance run and we just find our stride and, and we're ready to run forever. It could be when we have found our groove in a song that we've just sung, karaoke or not. The moment could be for us when we held our first newborn, or when we were held by somebody who loved us, and that's all we needed to know. That's all we needed to know. Maybe maybe the moment was when we found peace with ourselves in the middle of a forest Uh, could be that when we found ourselves in the middle of a room full of family and friends, all of whom we knew loved us, or at least assumed we did, they did. The moment. My hunch is is that for all of us, or for most of us, all of us, that the moment was when we came to the place in our lives when we believed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. John says, If we believe that, we have life in his name. Amen? The moment. Or perhaps our moment was when we said yes to God's call. The first time, the next time, yesterday, this morning. We said yes to God's call in our life. To do whatever that meant, wherever it led, however it had to be done. In the moment, whatever that was for us, We felt, we knew that we were who we were meant to be. Now, let me suggest to you, to us, that we are made for those moments of clarity. We are designed for those moments of wholeness. We are knit together for those moments of completeness. Because in those moments, they give us glimpses into who we are and to who we're meant to be. Even though they're rare, they are not intended to be the exception. Even though they're rare, they're not supposed to be the exception. They reveal our lives as who we were meant to be. Now, my hunch is that not all of us are there at the moment. Uh, It is the week after Thanksgiving when we're still recovering from the things we did and the things we shouldn't have done. We, Christmas is coming, the goose is getting fat, please put a penny in an old man's hat, yes, right. Uh, Folks who are involved with campus classes thought they had everything ready but then they showed up at 5.30 and oh, man, oh, really? And then collectively, as an institution, we're still finding our feet. So my sense is, is that for most of us, we're not in one of those moments. We're someplace in between. We remember when those occurred for us, but we're not there now. So, So how do we get from where we are to where we're meant to be? That's the question. How do we get from where we are to where we're meant to be? I think if we listen to the words in Isaiah 6, we'll see. So one more passage. Grab your Bibles one more time and turn to Isaiah 6. Reads like this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs off the altar. And with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Same our phrase with me, would you? Here am I, Lord, restore me. One more time. Hear my Lord, restore me. Some things about the passage, some of which were familiar, but I want to remind us again. The passage does tell us some marvelous things about God. It says some marvelous things to us about God. For example, it tells us that God is a God who cares. God is a God who cares. He is a God who is interested in his creation. He is a God who is involved in the lives of his children. He is a, a God who is concerned with the welfare of his people. Now, I know I'm talking to the choir here, but I think every once in a while we need the reminder. God is a God who cares. Amen? All in favor say aye. Okay, it'd get better. I'll, I'll just say that from now on instead of looking for an amen. All in favor say aye. There, see, good. If, if God doesn't care, uh, for example, if God doesn't care, why, would, why does he bother with Israel? By this time in their history, they were not the nation that God had in mind for them. They were not the poster children of what it meant to be the people of God. They are a disobedient, ungrateful, unself-serving lot. They want their way on their terms in their time. But God continues to call them. He continues to engage with them. He inc- continues to warn them, to encourage them. To, he's, he's hoping that he'll hear that they'll hear and listen to and heed His voice. I mean, there is a difference between hearing him and listening to him, right? Yes? All in favor say aye. Okay, okay I'm just, I need some feedback here. There is a difference between hearing him and listening to him. He had said lots of things to them along the way and they weren't paying any attention. He sent prophets, he sent revelations, he had his creation speaking his, his glory and they were just kind of saying, well okay, nice idea, we'll see you later. God's care for us, his creation is also seen in this interaction with Isaiah. I mean, why did the God of the universe make time for this itinerant preacher? Why bother? Why bother? Why did God keep Isaiah from being consumed by the vision, which was really what should have happened? Especially, especially when Isaiah admits that he's no better than the people around him. I am a man of unclean lips just like the folks next door. I dwell among a people of unclean lips. They're just like me. I'm just like them. And why does that God then make it possible for Isaiah to serve as a prophet? Because, because the God whose glory was revealed in the vision is a God who cares about us. He's a God who cares about his creation, his people. He's a God who cares about you and me. Amen? All in favor, say aye. Good. The passage also tells us that God is holy. In in fact, the the story just kind of stumbles over itself, trying to get get in all the details and trying to capture all of the moment. First, the train of God's robe as he sits on the throne, that train fills the temple. It is cosmic wall-to-wall carpeting. There isn't, there isn't room for anything else in that space aside from the glory of God. And then there's the angels. I mean, just angels alone are, are in fact, can I just grab this angel Uh, Jeanette brought this to me a little bit ago and she said that Greg had given it to her and I don't know where it belongs this is not the kind of angels in this vision. This is a safe little angel. This is a cute little angel and and she's wearing makeup. (laughs) Angels. Flying angels. Flying angels with six wings. Calling out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The heaven and earth are full of his glory. And the place is shaken in its boots from its from its doorstops door to its threshold. From its foundation to its ceiling. And it's filling with smoke. And there's fire on the altar. And there's all this commotion. And it's, and it's the prophet's way, and it's God's way of saying to us through the prophet, I, I am holy. There is no one else like me. None, none, none. I alone am God. So the passage tells us that God is holy. passage tells us that God cares for his people. passage also tells us about those people. It really tells us something about humanity in general, but, um, but it, it uses Isaiah, or Israel to help us see it. It's true that Israel is the focus of the prophet's warnings, but you and I know that they're just like all the rest of us. Right? Yes? All in favor say aye. They're just, they're just like us. And we're just like them. This is not an Israeli kind of deal. This is a human being kind of deal. And, and Isaiah is the only person. He's the only living person in this, in this text. But Isaiah really is a stand-in for the rest of us. His strengths are like our strengths. His weaknesses are like our weaknesses. His humanity is like our humanity. We see ourselves in him, or at least we should. So it says these kinds of things about people, and it also says in this passage um, that we see people who are not what they were meant to be. Israel was meant to be a blessing to the world They can't even get along with each other. They were meant to be a light to the nations, but they're so self-absorbed by now that they're about to lose their nation home, and they're in denial about it. They were meant to be the people of God, but they insist on living like their neighbors. They were meant to be pure, holy, set-apart, But Israel is as polluted as the rest. Israel was meant to be more than they had become. And you see that in the words that Isaiah uses when he describes the situation. Unclean. Guilt or iniquity or whatever your translation says. And sin. See there's something wrong here. Some, there's something not right here, because people aren't designed to be dirty; they were meant to be clean. People aren't designed to be guilty; they were made to be innocent. Usin's people weren't designed for sin. we were designed to be holy. Amen? Amen? These people aren't who they were meant to be. It is in God's response to Isaiah's confession that we see the remedy for the situation because it's not the way the things should be. God has to do something because Isaiah and the Israelites can't undo what's been done. God has to make the first move because Isaiah and the Israelites can't undo who they've become. And so God acts. And he makes Isaiah who Isaiah was meant to be. Now, if you look at the passage, he doesn't make him a prophet because he already is one. This happens in the middle of the book, not at the beginning. So this is not his call to be a prophet. This is just his equipping to be a better prophet than he had been. No, he doesn't make him a prophet. He makes him holy. He makes him whole. He makes him complete. And the implication is, is that what's available for Isaiah is going to be available for Israel And what's available for Israel is available to you and me. All humanity, Amen. See, God makes a way for us to be holy. He makes a way for us to be who he's designed us to be. Now, what does that look like? I mean, who were we meant to be? Based on the witness of the faith and the record in the book, we were made to have life. We were made to be free. We were made to be whole, to be fulfilled, to be holy. We were made to be like the first Adam and Eve before they sinned. We were made to be like the second Adam, Jesus who hasn't sinned yet. Amen. In fact, you can hear what we're meant to be in some of Jesus' words to the people when he when he would teach to them or teach them, talk to them. Uh, he said one time Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We are made for rest. We're not made for weariness. Amen? We're made for rest. He said another time, I am the living bread. If anyone eats this bread, he shall live forever. See, we're not made to be spiritually hungry. We are made to be spiritually fed. Amen? If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And the implication is is that once we drink, we're satisfied. And then he said, I have come, I have come that they might have life, that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. We are made for life, not death. We are made for freedom, not bondage. For health, not disease. For wholeness, not illness. For fulfillment, not emptiness. That's that's who we're meant to be. About 400 years after Jesus, um, after Augustine had become a Christian, And he was in the process of trying to express to God all the things that he was feeling and thinking. Uh, He described who you were meant to be this way. You have made us for yourselves, O Lord. And our heart is restless until it rests in you. You have made us for yourselves, O Lord. And our hearts are restless. And I, I, I learned this in college and I hear it. I heard it in a song. And our hearts are restless, restless, restless until we rest in thee. That's who we're meant to be. Back in the 1600s, Pascal put it this way. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man and woman which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God the creator, made known through Jesus. That's who we're meant to be. I, I even think there's some theology about this in a country song that was popular a couple of years ago. The chorus went something like this. You got to dance when there, like there's nobody watching and love like you'll never be hurt and sing like there's nobody listening and live like it's heaven on earth. That's who we're meant to be. And I think the reason why this little, uh, you know I had to look it up because I I hadn't really heard it because it's country music, sorry. But. (laughs) (laughs) But I even think this reflects that kind of moment that we all want to be in. This really does describe who we're meant to be. Dance like nobody's watching. Sing like nobody's listening. Love like we've never been hurt and live like it's heaven on earth. Actually, it's good theology. That's who we were meant to be. So how do we get from where we are to where we're meant to be? What do we do? Well, we follow Isaiah's example. We follow Isaiah's example, and here's what he does we admit who we are we admit what we've done we confess what we've become and that we need God to restore us to who we were meant to be see our confessions needed here our admission of guilt is necessary Our repentance is required. We have to own who we are. We have to own what we've done. We have to own who we've become if we're going to be transformed, if we're going to be restored to who we were meant to be. I I know, you know, that we're already telling God what He already knows, but He waits for us to tell Him. We must... We must tell him. In fact, one commentator put it this way. People who do nothing about this, about their sin, about their guilt, about where they've become, people who do nothing and presume on God's forgiveness fail to experience it. It's always available, yes? Right? All in favor say aye. Forgiveness is always available. but There's only one requirement. And we have to admit that we need it. That's the only requirement. So, getting to be who we were meant to be begins with you and me. Begins with you and me. Isaiah's confession led to God's action. Our confession will lead to God's cleansing. Our repentance will result in our restoration. Our openness to God will lead him to making us who we were designed to be. Now, one final thing. I know full well who, 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 who's in the room. My hunch is, is that we probably have had an Isaiah moment someplace along the line. But this restoration is not a one-time cure-all. It is intended to be an ongoing reality. An ongoing reality. Isaiah was already in the camp. Right? He was already on God's side. He was already serving him as a prophet. When he had the vision. He would continue to be God's prophet for as long as, uh, long after the vision was over, as far as we know. But the vision and the moment were all that he could have. uh, But while the vision and the moment were all that he could have wanted, he was not intended to stay there. It was just the beginning. It was just the beginning of a lifetime of holy living. So, see, I think the passage is saying to us that in the same way that Isaiah was aware of God's holiness and his sin in that moment, and Isaiah's sin in that moment, there is a need in our lives for an ongoing reflection and repentance and restoration. Ongoing repentance and restoration. Because we're always in the presence of a holy God. Yes? We're always in the presence of a holy God. And he designs, he desires for us to be all that we were meant to be. I was talking with Tom about this a little bit, Tom King, a little bit last night. We are fully human. We are fully human. When we are in our right in right relationship with God, that's who He's designed us to be. We've had um, we've had company at our house a couple of times this uh, since the summer. Uh, uh, the The family I I know you don't care about the family tree, but I'll just make the connection anyway. It's Marilyn's cousin's son and wife and family. So we had we had a household for a week or so. There are three, three young'uns. Uh, the middle one is Luke. He just turned five. He has white blonde hair and, and big blue eyes. And he is as sweet and his, as precocious a, a boy as you can find. Um, he loves superheroes, especially Spider-Man. So for his birthday, he got a he got really cool thing. He could shoot this web stuff, you know, put it on his arm, put his web stuff. He didn't let me play with it, but he, he did get it. Well, he was playing with his, he was playing a game the other day with his great grandpa. I heard this story Saturday. Um, They were all over for some, um, also all over for some masticioli and garlic bread. So he was playing with his, a game with his great grandfather the other day, and the game was not going well for Luke. So as the game went along, Luke decided to make changes in the rules to the game as the game went along because he just kind of wanted to shape the thing around, you know. <laughs> and and his great-grandfather, his, um, his great-grandfather is just a gem of a guy, just a gentleman. And he let it go on for a while. But it had gone on long enough, and so Grandpa finally protested a little bit. He said that the way that they were playing the game now was not the way that the game was supposed to be played. And this little five-year-old Luke thought about it for a minute and he looked up and he said, it's my house, it's my game, it's my rules. (laughs) My house, my game, my rules. You know where I'm going? See, we can live that way. It's my house, it's my life, it's my rules. And we won't wind up being who we were meant to be. Or we can say to God, it's your house. It's your life. It's your rules. And when we do, then we can be who we were meant to be. Amen? Amen. I want us to sing a song in response. See, that's what it'll take for us to be who we're meant to be. For us to say, Lord, have your way. a promise in the presence of the one who will make you all that you were meant to be. Go in his peace. We're dismissed.